Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson, and today in our study of Isaiah 35, we're going to be looking at two things, the glory of God and the salvation of God. And we're going to see how these go hand in hand. So today's readings are coming from the ESV. I'm not going to read the passage for the sake of time. However, I encourage you to follow along. So first, let's look at the glory of God. So as I said earlier, God's saving and glory go hand in hand. God's goal for all of creation is to give him glory. That's the first thing we need to see. We see this in Isaiah 43, 7, where we see that all of God's people were created for God's glory. We see in Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and even unbelievers were created to give God glory. Exodus 9.16 shows God telling Pharaoh that God raised him up to show his power and to make his name known throughout the world. So we see here clearly that everything that was created by God, all things, are created to give God glory. Next, we need to realize that God's saving is how God's glory is best achieved. 1 John 4, 9 really catches this point. Listen to what he says. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. We see God's love how? Through Jesus coming into the world so that we might live. And really, God shows all his attributes in saving his people. Now, I'm not going to go into a detailed list, you know, go through omnipresence, omnipotence, you know, trying to show how all of those attributes are present in salvation. But if you wanted to, you could do that. It would take time because God is infinite, you know. He is infinite, so it would take a long time to describe him. It took like 1,400 pages of the Bible, and that's only the tip of the iceberg. But still, we can see that all of God's attributes are present in the salvation of his people. So really, this goes to show us that God's saving and glory do go hand in hand. They're not separate things. They are together. They are unbreakably tied together. So next we're going to really go back to this passage to see that God's glory is the joy of the land. So, we will see the glory of God in eternity, and we will rejoice for all of eternity. So, this does, it's really foreign to us, you know. We live in a time where iPhones, we really, we keep them for two, maybe four years, then we're on to the next one. With video games, it's even worse. Six months, if we're lucky, and then on to the next game. However, with God, we'll be worshiping him for all of eternity. That is a long, 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 long time. However, we will be able to because we're finite, so we'll never be done taking in God's infinite glory. And it builds. So it is a joy. The worst day of eternity will be the first day. And the second worst day will be the second day, if you catch where I'm going with this. It builds. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And really, we see God's glory shown most in Christ. 
how the question arises, how are we to see God's glory in eternity? We know that from Exodus 33.20, no man can see God. We can see God's glory in the God-man, Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews 1.3 with me. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What we saw there is what we've been looking at, that salvation and the glory going hand in hand. Why am I making such a big deal out of this? Because this is how Isaiah 53 has glory. So much of it is focused on the second coming of Jesus, and we can't have that second coming if we don't have the first. If we don't have that salvation, we're not going to be the redeemed, the ransom of the Lord, if we are not bought for by Christ. I need you to see this. And let's look at John 14, 9. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. We see the glory of God in Jesus. So God's highest glory in salvation, we see this in the Trinity. It was achieved by Jesus by the plan of the Father, and then applied by the Holy Spirit. All the members of the Trinity, all three persons, were working to get our salvation and God's glory. So next, let's look, in, look even more at the salvation of God. So we need to see that Jesus' first coming is central. Jesus' atonement on the cross and resurrection truly has a massive number of ramifications for believers. Our obedience, it's bought by God. Our joy is only possible because it's bought by Christ. Everything that we have is, we wake up as believers, frankly, because we are bought by Christ. Otherwise, we'd be lost. So everything that we have is because of Christ. To him and through him are all things. This, we need to realize that Jesus sustains the world by his power. Jesus and his work on the cross is the climax of God's glory. As we're going to see, he is glorious in eternity because he is the lamb who was slain. All of the Bible hinges on Jesus on the cross. The weak hands in verse 3 have no hope if Jesus isn't crucified and raised. The eyes of the blind will stay shut if Jesus isn't crucified and raised. The whole Mosaic covenant for crying out loud does nothing because it is a system of faith in a future payment. If there's not future payment, all the sacrifices are for naught. It's just legalism, and legalism gets you to hell. All the acts of the apostles are because of the cross and the resurrection. And the second coming, which is what this chapter is about, couldn't happen had Christ not been crucified and raised. Look at Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal. Listen to this. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe 
and language and people and nation. So we have hope now because of that. Because of Christ and his promise return, the weak hands, the feeble knees, and the anxious hearts can have hope. Isaiah 35, 4. Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. And finally, we see that we have glory for tomorrow. Not only is this chapter about hope for now, for the people of Israel who were oppressed, who were beaten down, who were getting the judgment side of God's providence, but they were going to get the salvation side of God's providence and the glorification side of God's providence for tomorrow. And we need to realize that only the redeemed, God's people, will be left in the second coming. All the rest will be cast into the lake of fire. I'm thinking of Jesus' parable, where he separates the sheep from the goats, where the sheep enter into the rest of God, and those who are left, those who did not believe in God, the goats, they enter into the lake of fire for all eternity, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But everlasting joy is all that is left for God's people, and they have joy in who? In their resurrected and glorified Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adopted Believers Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out at our website, AdoptedBelievers.com, for episodes and other resources. And like us at Facebook at Adopted Believers.